Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Today is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022, and this is episode number 41. Oh, sorry, 47. And today we'll be talking all about sourdough. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about sourdough bread. Well, actually a lot about sourdough bread, but we're going to focus more on the sourdough starter by itself. And we'll talk a little bit about which, what else you can do with that starter besides bread. I will say you might be able to hear in the background, Harley Quinn is playing again while I'm recording my podcast episode. I don't know if it's either I pick the wrong time when she's the most playful to record sometimes or if she purposefully like knows I'm about to record a podcast so she goes and gets a toy and starts playing I'm not sure which yet but uh, I guess it doesn't really matter to me she's real cute so I'll let her keep playing um so we'll start it off here with sourdough as a whole is what we're going to talk about so what exactly makes a sourdough starter? I will say a sourdough starter is essentially fermented flour and water. And when you ferment that flour and water, leave it on your counter, feed it when it's hungry, it turns into this colony of wild yeast and good bacteria. And the wild yeast and good bacteria is what gives that sourdough bread distinct taste that makes it different from other bread that the wild yeast and good bacteria is also what makes it better for your guts um, more like a probiotic our gut microbiome is full of bacteria so essentially we are full of bacteria that's what makes up our immune system and what kind of keeps us going so um fermenting the flour and water to make a sourdough starter is good bacteria and that good bacteria can help our gut in turn now i think everything in moderation i don't think you should just try to eat only sourdough bread your gut will not love that but i do think the sourdough the good bacteria can be good for your gut as well but everything in moderation so when you are trying to make a fresh sourdough starter from scratch it is literally just flour and water, and it takes about a week or two to make. It's going to depend on the temperature in your house. So I find in the winter, which was when I started my sourdough starter, it took at least two weeks. So I keep my house set to about 65, so it would take a while before my sourdough starter actually became that good active colony of wild yeast and good bacteria. So when you're making a sourdough starter, you can use cups to measure how much you're putting in of water and flour, or you can weigh it in grams. Weighing it in grams is going to get you a lot more of an accurate reading when it comes to bread than just using cup measures. I've done both with cup measures and with the grams. I personally will pull out my little kitchen scale and weigh and get the grams of each. Uh, kitchen scales are not super expensive, but you, if you are trying to cut costs at least up front, you can skip it and do the cup ratio. I want you to think about, so grams 
when you're making this, it's the same ratio. So if you want it, I was looking up a couple recipes before this because it's been a few years since I've made a sourdough starter from scratch. And a lot of the recipes are like 100 grams or 120 grams. So it would be 120 grams of flour and 120 grams of water mixed together put in some type of container with a lid, but you don't need the lid to like screw down. So I prefer to use a quart mason jar, put it in there. Sometimes the pint mason jars are too small when it starts getting happy and rising. I like the quart because it's got a lot more room. I actually prefer a wide mouth quart mason jar because when I'm ready to kind of scoop some of the sourdough starter out, it's easier for me to put a spoon in there and scoop some stuff out with the wide mouth than a regular mouthed quart jar. So that's just a tip. You don't have to do that. So what I'll do with my quart mason jar is I'll just rest the lid on top. I won't actually like screw it down. And I feel like I do that for a lot of reasons. I put a lid on there because I do have cats and they do get on the counter occasionally in this house. So I don't want them like sticking the little arms in there or them just walking around it and getting a bunch of fur in there. I also don't want dust or whatever else to get in my sourdough starter. So I just gently place the lid on top. I think when you gently place the lid on top like that too, if while it's beginning to ferment, it needs to release any kind of gas, which usually this won't, we're not fermenting like sauerkraut or kimchi, but if it needs to release some kind of gas, it at least can do it. So just, I, I like my mason jar method with resting something on top. So essentially, it's going to be that 120 grams, 120 gram of flour and water. It forms almost like this thick paste. And you want to leave it alone after you mix the two together, put it in your container, let it sit there. Sometimes it'll sit there for a good day or two. And eventually, by the end of like two days at the latest or maybe three. I don't know how cold you keep your house, but after a few days, it should start to rise. So you'll notice that's one of the reasons why I like the quart mason jars as well. At least the ones that I have, they have numbers on the side. So usually when I mix it all together, it sits at about the three on my mason jar and it will rise up to a six. It'll almost double in size before it's ready to be fed again. So it'll look kind of bubbly and it'll rise and get a lot taller. So you can tell when your sourdough starter is hungry and when it's still rising. So it'll still keep rising up for you, but when it's hungry, it will start to kind of shrink back down. I call it like a sludge down, like it will just slide down. And you can see that because it'll actually make like these slide skid marks on if you're using a mason jar, a mason jar. This is also why I like using some type of glass jar so I can see it really well as to when it's come all the way up and it's starting to come back down. Once it starts to come back down, it's hungry, you're ready to feed it. So at this point, you've made your sourdough starter, you've combined your flour, your water, made it into a paste, it's gotten, it's risen all the way up and now it's hungry. You do not actually have an active sourdough starter yet. I want to put that out there right now. It is not 100% active. You are working on creating that active sourdough starter still. 
So what you'll do is you'll discard all, but about a half a cup. So if you're doing the cup measurements, you can, but you want to, um, if you want to weigh it in grams, you can, but just know you want about a half a cup-ish. You can eyeball it if you're weighing it in grams. And you would do the same thing in grams. So if you, if that half a cup winds up being 100 grams of sourdough starter, you would add 100 grams of flour and 100 grams of water. Mix it together, let it sit there again. And eventually it will rise back up and kind of come back down for you. And once it comes down a little, you don't want it to deflate all the way back down. You want it to start to deflate, and then you know it's hungry. So I can't give you an exact timeline for when this will be after you feed it the first time. It'll probably be a day or two because, yet again, you don't have an active colony of wild yeast yet. You're working on building that, and if your house is cold, it's going to take a little bit longer. I said it could take about a week or two, one to two weeks, maybe three so be patient, and when it's hungry, feed it. So you're going to do that for a week or two, so you know it's ready when it doubles in size in about six to eight hours after feeding it. So one of the things I like to do, I do work. I'm not at home 24-7 trying to figure out how long my sourdough starter has been trying to get active for so what I do is I will feed it if it's hungry, either first thing in the morning or at night right before bed. And whenever I feed it, so if I feed it in the morning before I go to work, I will then when I come home from work, see what it's doing. If it's risen up double the size and is coming down, I'm ready. Same thing with going to bed. Like I'll feed it right before bed. And in the morning, first thing when I wake up, if it's all the way up and starting to sludge down, it's ready. So at that point, it's ready to bake with. And at that point, you actually have that active colony of wild yeast and good bacteria, which is what you're looking for. So at this point, you can bake with your sourdough if you'd like. I think either option is a good option. Feeding in the morning or feeding in the evening is going to depend on you and your schedule though because I want you to think about not only do you have to feed the sourdough starter. So I'll run through an example here. If you feed your sourdough starter in the morning and let's say you feed it right before eight o'clock and by about five o'clock it is hungry ready to go. You make your loaf of bread but then it also has to rise that loaf of bread before you can bake it. So it, how long will that loaf of bread take to rise? It depends again on the temperature of your house. So for me in the winter, my loaf of bread is gonna take eight to 12 hours to rise all the way. So my loaf of bread will be ready in the morning for me to do one or two things to it, get it in the oven and I'm ready to go. But you may not have time in the morning to do something like that, so you might be better off trying to bake it at night. So you would have to feed it at night, in the morning make your loaf of bread, and then bake it when you get home from work. That is totally doable. You can do it however your schedule allows. Maybe you're better off doing this on the weekend if you can't work out the timing with your work for whatever reason. And that's okay too. I personally try to bake bread on the weekend, 
when I can, but I try to stick to that same routine of either feeding in the morning or feeding at night because I don't want to forget one time and feed in the afternoon and my loaf is ready to bake at three in the morning. I don't want to do any of that. So I try to stick to feed in the morning or feed in the evening, but I try to do it on the weekends. So this way, if my loaf of bread is ready a little earlier if I'm cooking if I'm baking it at night and my loaf of bread is ready to go at 6 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. I can put it in the oven at 6 p.m. So that's a little bit about the sourdough starter. Something else you can do to test if your sourdough starter is that active colony of wild yeast and good bacteria is called the float test. So the float test is where you take a teaspoon of sourdough starter and then you put it in like a glass of water and it should float. If it sinks to the bottom, your sourdough starter is not quite ready to bake with and maybe it's not fully active yet if you're just starting your starter. So have some more patience. Keep doing what you're doing. So something I will say is if you start to get like tired of feeding this thing even before it's ready, like even before it becomes this active colony of wild yeast, you can stop feeding it but you have to put it in the fridge. And if it's not active yet, and you're sick and tired of trying to make it active, I would not leave it for long in the fridge. Like I wouldn't forget about it for seven months and then come back to it. You're better off restarting in seven months, I think. Me personally, I got my sourdough starter really active, baked some loaves of bread, kept it in the fridge, And I forgot that it was in there and I didn't bake with it. I didn't feed it. I did nothing for a really long time with that sourdough starter. And I pulled it out and it definitely had some mold on top, not in it and throughout it. So I like scraped the mold off the top and revived my sourdough starter by feeding it again. So I do not recommend you wait till it grows mold before you bring it back out and bake with it again. If you know you're going to do a lot of baking, maybe you have a bigger family and you guys go through a lot of bread, you can actually leave it on leave it out on the counter. And that does mean you're feeding it more often because as I said before, the temperature really affects this here. So what the fridge will do is it'll mimic it being cold in your house and it will actually like really slow down the activity of that wild yeast and good bacteria compared to leaving it out on your counter. They're going to keep getting hungry. They're going to want to be fed and you're going to need to take care of that. So completely up to you and what you want to do. I am going to go backwards a little bit here. So when you're making your sourdough starter for the very first time, and I mentioned in the beginning, you discard everything but a half a cup. In the beginning, you unfortunately have to discard it. Now, when I say discard, do I mean throw in the trash? Maybe not. Maybe you want to put it in your compost pile instead, and that's okay. But in the beginning, you do have to discard your sourdough starter that you're working on until it becomes active. Once it becomes active, you do not have to discard anymore. You can separate it. So... Right now I have an active sourdough starter in my fridge. When I pull it out to feed it, 
I've got like a half a cup or so in there, about 100 grams. So it'll be about 100 grams of sourdough starter. I'll give it 100 grams of water, 100 grams of flour, let it get really big. And then what I'll do is I'll take 100 grams out and feed that again if I need to. And the part that kind of is left behind my discard, I now can do something with that. I can either save it, put it in a different jar and give it to somebody that I know wants a sourdough starter. I can also use that for other baking items. So you can bake so many things. I recently made a chocolate zucchini sourdough bread. It was actually really good. I liked it a lot. I just Googled the recipe. I'm not going to share a recipe because I haven't tried a whole bunch of these to say, oh, this one's the best. So try some of those recipes if you're interested in a chocolate zucchini sourdough loaf. It was really tasty. And I will say the recipe I found was not vegan. And I am vegan, so I substituted the eggs for some flax eggs. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, I put an episode out Monday called Weird Things Vegans Eats, and I've done a an episode on vegan baking. So if you're not sure what I mean by a flax egg and you're interested, check out either of those two episodes, and it worked beautifully is what I wanted to say, because I think in my first episode about vegan baking, I'd never tried that before, but I did, and it works great. So there are other things you could do besides a chocolate zucchini sourdough loaf. You can do sourdough pancakes, sourdough waffles, sourdough pizza, sourdough biscuits, sourdough buns. You kind of get where I'm going with this. You can almost put sourdough in anything you're trying to bake. Like you could do a sourdough cinnamon roll, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do, you can totally do it. And... I think it's a really cool way to use up some of the discard. So now here's, I guess I should mention too, why you want to discard. Whether it's in the beginning where you have to get rid of some, or it's here at the end when you have an active colony of wild yeast, why you still have to get rid of some. Because if I kept, so in the fridge, I've got a half-ish cup of active sourdough starter. I pull it out and I feed it essentially with, I'm tripling its size almost. I'm at least doubling its size, if not closer to tripling the size of my sourdough starter. So if I kept it all, so now I went from half a cup to more like a little over a cup of sourdough starter. And if I kept that and fed it again, I would now have to add the same amount. So let's say I went from 100 grams of sourdough starter, where I used 100 grams of flour, 100 grams of water, and it turns into 250 grams. Well, now I have 250 grams of sourdough starter. I would have to add 250 grams of bread or of flour and 250 grams of water. And if that turns into 700 grams of sourdough starter, I would then have to add 700 grams of bread, uh, of flour. I keep saying bread because I use bread flour. (laughs) I would have to add 700 grams of bread flour and 700 grams of water. And you see where I'm going with this is it would just multiply astronomically and you probably wouldn't have a container big enough to hold all of that by the end to let it rise to the size it needed to rise to. So that's why 
anything you look up about a sourdough starter, it's going to mention discarding some, and it does seem kind of wasteful. In the beginning, you have to, but when it's established, you can use that in some other kind of baking dish here. So what I will say about the bread flour, there's a reason I kept saying bread flour over and over again. That's the flour I choose to use for my sourdough loaf. I've kind of played around with different flours. In the beginning, I think I used mostly bread flour because that's a lot of what you see on blog posts. But sometimes I couldn't find the bread flour. I'd forget and I'd run out and I wanted to make bread. So I would use all-purpose flour instead. What I will say is in the winter, when I am trying to make some sourdough, the bread flour really wakes up my sourdough starter a lot faster. And I think that has to do with the higher protein content of the bread flour. So if you're not super familiar with different types of flours, there's all different types of flours. You know, you've got all-purpose flour, whole wheat flour, bread flour. Bread flour has a higher protein content than your regular all-purpose flour does. So I find the bread flour works really, really well. I did try like an organic whole wheat flour for my sourdough starter. I didn't love it. Maybe I was doing something a little different or maybe I needed to do something different than what I was doing. Didn't love it though. And I switched back to the bread flour pretty soon after that. So you don't have to use bread flour. You can use whatever flour you have on hand. I choose, choose to use the bread flour to try to wake my active colony of yeast and good bacteria up a little faster. So that's my tip on the type of flour you could use. And I will say when you're baking any loaf of bread, I mentioned this before in my baking bread episode, but if this is your first episode you're listening to, when you are baking bread at home, depending on the type of bread, especially sourdough here though, you should be baking that bread hopefully in some kind of a Dutch oven. And the reason for the Dutch oven is it allows the moisture to stay in the pan that you're cooking in. And then the last couple of minutes of cooking, you take the lid off so it browns up really well and forms this crust. So you don't have to buy a Dutch oven. They are not cheap. If you do not have a Dutch oven and you want one, I recommend maybe trying to find a Black Friday deal. I'm all about finding Black Friday deals. I also got this Dutch oven that's really cool. I have not mentioned this before, but the Dutch oven is all cast iron, and it's actually two big pots that form a Dutch oven. So it's like a little frying pan and then a deep pot, basically, for the bottom, and the frying pan you flip and put as a lid on top of the deep pot. They're meant to be that way. It's meant to be a set. I am in love and obsessed with the set that I have that's like that because now I have two pans, two cast iron pans that convert into a Dutch oven. I do have a regular like enamel Dutch oven that is beautiful. I love it, but I really do like my little cast iron like set there. So there's all different types of Dutch ovens you can do. There's all different sizes as well that you can get. I got the sizes that I got, I think I got five quart as my size because it can hold five quarts of like 
substance in there, liquid, you know. So I got a five quart for a lot of reasons. Number one, I knew I'd be mostly baking bread in it. Number two, I wanted to be able to fit more than one in my oven. So I can fit both my five quarts side by side in my oven. Now I can't fit anything else in the oven, but at least both of them fit there together at the same time. And sometimes certain loaves of bread that I'm baking, you make a loaf, you make, sorry, the bread dough, and then it tells you separate into two loaves. And so that's where it's convenient to have more than one Dutch oven and the ability to put them in the oven at the same time together. So you do not have a Dutch oven. There is a like frugal tip trick that I looked up. You can bake it in like a regular pan or on a baking sheet, but you'll have to kind of shift around the racks in your oven because you want the bottom rack all the way on the bottom and you want to put some kind of dish in there like an eight by eight Pyrex glass pan and put some water in it in the in your oven on the bottom rack and then bake your bread loaves of bread above it and i would always put the eight by eight pyrex pl glass pan with water in the bottom as i'm preheating my oven so this way it would start to boil and get nice and humid and moist inside of the oven while it's heating up so then when it's fully heated, I could open the oven, put my bread in, and then towards the end of them baking, I would take the pan with water out. So I would Google that before you do it, though, to figure out how much water, things like that, if it affects the cook time of the bread you might be making. So lots of stuff here, specifically about sourdough. It does take some patience. It does take some planning. I do have to try to plan. So if I want to bake on Saturday or Sunday a sourdough loaf, right now we're in the winter, I need to be pulling my sourdough starter out on like Monday to try to get it back up. Ah, I completely forgot here. So it is recommended that when you put your sourdough starter in the fridge, you kind of put it to sleep there. It is recommended that you feed it weekly, once a week. You pull it out, feed it. That will keep your colony very more active than if you let it go to sleep like I did for like nine months and grow some mold. So I think I, well, I don't think. I personally have not and do not feed it on a weekly basis. I know. <laughs> but I will also say I don't let it go for nine months anymore. I probably try to bake a loaf every two to four weeks. So it is getting fed kind of regular, just not weekly. Now, if I was feeding it weekly, would that change how soon I would have to pull it out and start feeding it again? Probably. Like in the winter, I just said I would probably pull it out Monday to guarantee that it'll be active enough for me to bake with Saturday. Maybe if I was feeding it once a week, I could pull it out Tuesday or Wednesday instead. I'm not sure I haven't experimented with that too much. I think at some point I might experiment with that and see what it does for me, especially in the winter when sometimes I have a hard time waking the sourdough starter back up. So when I play with that, and I will let you guys know what I find as I start to experiment with that. So we went over a lot here, how to get your sourdough starter started. In grams, it's the same ratio 
of flour and water. And when you're feeding it, it's always the same ratio of flour, water, sourdough starter if it's in grams. If you're using measuring cups, I want you to think logically here, flour weighs less than water. So if in grams, we want the same amount of grams of flour and water, and you're using cups, you're going to want like a cup of flour and maybe a half a cup of water. Don't quote me on that. I only use grams, but I want you to think logically like that. And the reason I say that is because I've done that, where I was doing it in grams, where so I was used to the one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio in grams. And then one time I decided to switch it up and use measuring cups. And I assumed it was a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio with measuring cups too. And it is not the same because I did not pause to think that through that water is heavier than flour. So with a measuring cup, you need less water, more flour. I just went on autopilot and said, oh yeah, everything's a one-to-one-to-one -one -to -one ratio. Let me just throw in the same amount of cups of flour, water, and sourdough starter. Not a great idea. It was way too watery. It was not the nice thick paste consistency that I was looking for. So you're going to wait for it to rise up. It's hungry when it sludges back down. Then you feed it. You can leave it out on the counter once it becomes active. Out on the counter if you're going to do a lot of baking with it. Otherwise, put it in the fridge. People recommend feeding it once a week. If you can remember, that is amazing. If not, you can let it sit there for a little bit. You don't have to freak out too much. So it's ready to bake with when you do the float test, which is one teaspoon of sourdough starter in water. See if it floats. Or when it doubles in size in about six to eight hours after you feed it. Once it's active and alive, you can bake with the discard of this sourdough starter. I personally use bread flour and I bake in a Dutch oven. So I kind of did a little bit of highlight there at the end because I did go over a lot of information about sourdough. So sourdough, fermented flour and water that becomes an active colony of wild yeast and good bacteria. I'm obsessed with sourdough bread. <laughs> that is by far my most favorite loaf of bread. Like I don't want rye. I don't want wheat. I don't want whole wheat. I don't want white. I don't want any of it. Italian, French bread. I mean, I do like a good focaccia bread, but give me some sourdough. Like that is 100% what I want all the time. I was also the weird kid though. So I'd, I don't know how old I was. I was young, like less than double digits. And we would go to restaurants and I would take everybody's lemons and just eat them. So I guess maybe it's me. I like sour things. So Sour Patch Kids were totally my jam for a while as well. I have found a new love for like kimchi. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with kimchi. Like I want to put kimchi on everything if I can. So that also has a like sour flavor because it is a fermented food, like a sauerkraut almost, but different. So maybe it's just my taste buds are super into the sour stuff, but I will say I also love sweets and I do love salty things like chips, uh, nachos, plain chips, that kind of thing. So maybe I just like food. I don't know. But if you love sourdough, be patient, give it a try. It is worth the time, the effort, the energy. I love the idea of not having to buy 
the active dry packets of yeast or they sell in like one pound block. I love the idea of reducing my inputs because to make a loaf of bread without sourdough, you're going to need some kind of flour, some kind of water, and the yeast you're buying separate. But if you have an active sourdough starter, that just cuts some costs. You no longer have to buy the yeast and you don't have to worry about, did the store have any? Did I remember to get any this week? Instead, you have to try to plan out when to feed your sourdough starter. So I will leave that up to you as to whether you think it's worth the time and energy and the effort. I think it is and I love doing it. I've had a sourdough starter for a couple of years now. I feel like I try to give away my sourdough starter to everybody because I'm just so excited about having a sourdough starter. I did name it. Her name is Bertha because she was my little like science experiment that I kind of nursed along and hoped for the best and it turned out pretty good. So I, I love sourdough bread and I hope you do too. And you're willing to try some of this. If I personally know you or you live in the Brevard, North Carolina area and you'd like an already active sourdough starter, please let me know. I will be happy to give you some. I think I have one or two extra sitting in my fridge right now. So that is all I have today about sourdough starter. I'm not going to keep telling you how much I love it, <laughs> even though I do. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead podcast. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I just want to take a second and say thank you again for listening. It really means a lot. Last week we hit the most listens so far for the podcast. It was 112 for the week. And that is amazing. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Um, if you're new to the podcast, you can definitely go back and listen to all of the previous episodes. I do want to take a second here. So my next episode isn't coming out till Friday, which is the no blah, blah, sorry, which is November the 11th. And November 11th, for those of you that don't know, I will bring it up again on Friday is Veterans Day. But because it's being released on Veterans Day, I just want to bring up right now that Thursday, so tomorrow is November 10th, which is the Marine Corps birthday. Um, so, oorah to anybody out there that is Marine Corps veteran. I served in the Marine Corps from 2011 to 2016. It was definitely an experience. I... I wouldn't trade it for anything. Some of my best, I met all of my best friends in the Marine Corps. Some of them are still in, some of them are out and that's okay. So yeah, I just, I guess wanted to share a little bit of love here for my fellow Marines, for the Marine Corps as a whole. And I'll talk more about Veterans Day on Friday. So in case you don't get around to Friday's episode before Friday, Thank you for your service. Anybody that did serve in any branch of the military, reserves, active, whatever it might be. To me, Veterans Day means a lot. There are a lot of holidays that we celebrate. And for me personally, not all of them mean as much as something like this does. This is near and dear to my heart. Marine Corps birthday and Veterans Day. So if you're not a veteran... 
thank a veteran. They really, we really do a lot sometimes that people don't see behind the scenes. So stay tuned for more content on Friday. I'll be putting out another episode about something completely different. So like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. 